Welcome to this edition of When the Biomass Hits the Winter and the discussion of sustainable living and what that means to you and me. I'm Jay Warmke. And I'm Annie Warmke. <laughs> we're sort of there. And today we're going to talk about how to stay sane in an insane world, or if you were really paying attention, you'd be crazy too. So. You know, it occurs to me, these titles you make up, uh, that a lot of them do pertain to self-care and mental health, which might be the same thing. Um, <laughs> well, that's a good thing since they're supposed to. <laughs> well, I mean, a lot of them, a lot of the topics that we choose to speak about and share with each other um, does have to do with how to use mental health to build resiliency, which is, I guess, what we're going to talk about today, but that's not a sexy title. Yeah, and part of the thing, I mean, this this came about from a discussion we were having where we were saying, you know, it just seems, and maybe it's that we're paying attention, but people seem on the edge of being insane all the time. Well, I think you your definition of insanity um, <laughs> is it doesn't work because the definition of insanity is that you're doing something abnormal to the main population of how the main population would react or deal with a situation. And so part of the challenge we have is that we live in a society that's very engulfed in the medical model of things and that doctors are God. And so we have some problems. And the first thing we understand is we've got anxiety and stress. And so we go to the doctor and we end up on medication. So what we're going to talk about today is how not to do that. Okay, but if insanity is normalized, then it's considered normal behavior. Okay, I just want to point out that you're from <laughs> Mars waiting to go home. All right. And, uh, and you, can't, you can't do that with it because right. the normal behaviors of most people, which is what you just said, are, are unsatisfactory to you and strange to you. Okay, so I'll try and behave myself. So well, talk, yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and you actually you actually have some background in this, and I don't. Um, as well, far I as... have a degree in counseling from Ohio University. There you go. Uh, but today I want to talk about anxiety, which tends to be the middle name of almost anybody that I have connection with um, on a fairly regular basis. And the last quarter of 2020 was a good example, really, in our culture of how stress and anxiety touches all aspects of our life. If you think about, we're worried about health. So even if we had some kind of health issue, now we have a pandemic that kills you and it's coming closer. More people are, are getting it and people are dying. We have had economic worries, the economy, people with no paychecks. I mean, even in our own life, we had to reinvent our entire business at the beginning of the pandemic shutdown. Spiritual worries, there's no time to be in person with the people we care about. Um, we can't even go to church, or we shouldn't go to church if we don't want to get the virus. Weather, we're, we're having extreme weather uh, events, as they call it. We call it global weirding. And, uh, and these things kill people and destroy homes and make people nervous. And then we have natural disasters. And then we have January the 6th. So we had this sort of building of things. And so people who already had anxiety now have a real exaggerated sense of anxiety. I mean, even you and I, who tend to be very happy and content in life, we're feeling incredibly anxious. So Everyone does experience stress and anxiety at one time or another in their life. And in this culture, it seems like it's not one time or another. It's a constant 
thing. And part of that comes from we're in this constant stimulation, you know, everything is moving at a very fast pace. And it's the human brain, the studies show the human brain can't deal with all that information and stimulation. The difference between stress and anxiety is that stress is a response to a threat in a situation. And anxiety is the reaction to it. So we're constantly perceiving there's some kind of threat. Uh, and stress also comes, you know, your heart beats, that causes stress because it's pushing on things. So there's good stress, but mostly the stuff that we're reacting to is bad stress. So anxiety is a normal reaction to stress. And, and as I said, it can be beneficial, but it also can alert us to dangers and help us to pre prepare and pay attention because we have experience um, to draw on. And anxiety disorders differ from normal feelings of nervousness or anxiousness and involve excessive fear and anxiety. So there are lots of anxiety disorders, but it is the most common illness in the US affecting 21.1% of the adult population every year and 30% of adults at some point in their lives. And I would think it's more than 30%. Is it, is it safe to say, like we think about financial problems, when people find themselves in severe financial problems, it's usually an accumulation of things. It's not like one thing usually that causes it. It's like, okay, this happened, then that happened, you know, my car broke down, well, then I couldn't in get life there. Happens in layers. I know, and then I couldn't, and then I lose my job or I'm yeah. whatever, and now I get sick, and, and it's a combination. Well, this idea of just one event after another event, one stressful event coming on top of another, on top of another, each would be fairly, it would cause anxiety yeah, and anxiety, yeah. but you could deal with it. And then you sort well, of re-fortify yourself and maybe. come back for the next. But what we're doing is we're just getting hit by one event after another after another right. without that break of, of, of fixing ourselves in the meantime. Well, part of the problem is that this isn't just unique to one household in the neighborhood. It's everybody experiencing most all the things I listed at the beginning of the program. Mm -hmm. And how we react to it, we're all reacting to it somewhat the same way. And But the other thing is that uh, every you're right. Everything builds on itself, but it, it it's like we don't have any resiliency. We haven't learned in this culture how to be resilient. How do we take care of ourselves when there's an extreme weather event? We act like, oh my God, this is shocking. When it's happened five times in the last year, and we're still running out to buy bottled water and a gallon of milk. It's not the way we handle things. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, so, so so it sounds like though I mean you can't you can't deal with the stress of your house burning down until it stopped burning, so you right. have to take those moments when there is not an immediate danger and try and regroup. Well, and you have people to create don't those moments, and that's yeah. what we're going to talk about. Mm -hmm. But anyway, I just want to say that one of the things that compounds all this is that people with an anxiety issue or disorder are three to five times more likely to go to the doctor and six times more likely to be hospitalized for a psychiatric disorder. But once they end up on medication, they're sort of hooked into where they are. <laughs> they got gotcha. you. <laughs> yeah, and that does not solve the problem. It just sometimes exacerbate, exa exaggerates it, 
but sometimes it makes it so you can't function. And so this is not what we're coming from. We're saying, let's be resilient. And so there are lots of anxiety disorders. Um, there's a generalized anxiety disorder called GAD or GAD. And that's when you have a persistent and excessive worry that interferes with daily activities. So I would say, uh, and it's ongoing, and the tension may be accompanied by physical symptoms, such as restlessness, feeling on edge, or easily fatigued, and so on. And often the worries focus on everyday things, such as job responsibilities, family health. Uh, I know during kidding season, I, my stress level and my anxiety reaction to that is over the moon. And the first day that everything sort of settles down, I'm so aware. I felt like I was on a treadmill and I couldn't keep up. So this is a disorder, though, as you're describing it, sounds like you could describe almost every person in the country. Well, it's the way we react to small things like the car breaking down, the too many chores, we've got appointments and we can't keep up, that kind of thing. So mm -hmm. it seems like at some point in in the years of your life, you're going to come in and out of this regularly because things happen. Your doctor tells you you've got glaucoma, you got to go do, you have surgery or, you know, are these, that's just life, but we don't have resiliency in how we react to it. So it builds on itself. My car breaks down, but I already couldn't pay the rent and I don't know how to fix the car and now I can't get to work. So I've lost my job. And as you said, it builds on itself. Mm -hmm. So then there's panic disorder. I hear a lot about this, particularly from young people. The core symptom of that is a reoccurrent, what they call panic attacks, which is an overwhelming combination of physical and psychological distress. And there are lots of symptoms that happen during this attack. And some of them are your heart is beating rapidly, you're sweating, you're trembling. You have shortness of breath, maybe even chest pain. There's all kinds of stuff that goes along with that. And so if you find yourself breathing into a paper bag, you're probably having a panic okay, attack. Okay, <laughs> on an airplane, is you know, that's a common scenario that they have those little barf bags, but it's also a bag to blow into if you're hyperventilating. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and and that's that's good. There's a, that's resiliency. You got a you got a way to deal with it, you know, because sometimes <laughs> things happen. So, but sometimes it's very exaggerated, like a fear of dying. You know, if I'm in a car wreck, I might have my life flash before me and I, I'm thinking, oh my God, I'm going to die. But this is not what I'm talking about. This is something that happens probably regularly. I used to have a problem with this in my sleep um, and I would wake myself up and I'd been running and I was having a panic attack. I had panic attack. I'm not a panic attack kind of person. But I had one at the grocery store because all these people didn't have their masks on and they were all congregating and pushing my cart. And I'm thinking, I don't want to get sick. So I went to the car. You know, I took care of it. And then I was fine. Uh, I've been to the store many times since and I haven't had a panic attack. So, mm -hmm. so another one is social anxiety disorder. And that's um, where there's a significant anxiety and discomfort about being embarrassed, humiliated, rejected, or looked down upon in a social interaction. This is something that is more and more prevalent in our culture. See this in lots of young people. They don't want to socially be in an environment where they're going to be the center of attention. And, um, and so there's this huge extreme fear of public speaking. Uh, you used to have that fear. Yeah, a little bit. Well, it just reminded me because I remember our granddaughter, we were having a talk, you know, I was trying to be the wise 
elder statesman, you know, and that never works. <laughs> I know, but talking about <laughs> like in high school, high school is like the perfect time when you're just sure, um, you know, everything you do is being scrutinized by every person they are, they, that comes in contact. And and I was telling her, I was like, you know what? You're thinking right now that everybody is watching you and and anything any mistake you make they're going to be critical just understand they're all thinking the same thing they're all sure that you're watching them and going to make and and it the bottom line is it really doesn't matter you know it's like gosh i wish i could go back to high school and just understand that nobody really cares what i was doing well, I think it feeds into the systems that we grew up with. And I know for her, she got to a point in her life where she actually told everybody at lunch one day when they said, when we when we graduate, we're going to do blah, blah, blah. And she goes, oh, no, I'm never going to see you again. So she <laughs> went and she met it and she hasn't. So she, but the thing is that, you know, she got control of that and she's had other things that have gone on. So anyway, so post-traumatic stress, PTSD, this is, can come from having uh uh, well, it's disturbing thoughts, it's intense disturbing thoughts and feelings that are related to experiences uh, that you've had. Maybe uh, they're flashbacks or nightmares, like I just said, and um, and there's a, every emotion you can imagine that's associated with that, and uh, people may avoid certain situations that remind them of traumatic events, and this is a growing um, awareness around how this works. So this could come from having a car accident. It can come from being in a house on fire. It can come from being raped uh, or being at war where you're, you know, have a gun and you're supposed to shoot people. Well, and as something that we've seen recently in the news is watching some of the congressmen and senators oh, yeah, talk about their experience. They've got it on January 6th and yeah. saying, and you can just see they're, they sort of relive some oh, of yeah. their emotions well, they're as they're it. trying to discuss yes. it. So so something that might happen then with PTSD in, in a person would be they go somewhere and they see somebody with a bunch of flags and they have a flashback and their body has, has physical memory, the muscles do, and they react to that and, um, and have sweats and maybe start crying and you know uh it, it seems like it's a healthy reaction but at some point you have to move on and this is the challenge we have so. and it may sometimes come at very odd yeah, inappropriate. and inappropriate times oh, yeah, you know? yeah 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 okay oh, yeah. well let me interrupt here for a second and remind everybody you are listening to when the biomass hits the wind turbine with jay and annie warmke and we wish to remind everybody that it is indeed the end of the world as we know it. And thank God. All right, and it is not a flashback. It is. No, it's. <laughs> and when we when we say that, it's not it's not to induce any kind of panic attack. It's mostly just saying that the systems that have existed to this point are not sustainable. And that's a good thing. And they're that going we to be it. they're going to be replaced with other things, and and that's a good thing. Yeah, and we can see that already in the pandemic. We can see that with new administration in the government. Um, so we're just pointing out that it is a good thing that these things are dissolving. Okay, so we've outlined some of the reasons why people 
why society in general and individuals specifically seem to be sort of bordering on the anxious to be kind. Oh, so that's, so that's really minimalistic. <laughs> so what do we what do we do about it? I mean, how do people uh, without going and getting drugged up and you know sitting staring at at uh, spiders making webs in their window? You know, how, well, how do we deal with it? You're crossing the line there. All right. <laughs> well, I think what we have to do is say, look, we can be responsible for the messages in our brains. And there's a, a scientific proof that, you know, we have all these little electric um, highways in our brains. And those highways contain videos of things that have happened in life. Uh, we call them home movies. Uh, they also contain lots of words, 15,000 words a minute we talk to ourselves. So if, we, if we're going to utilize the stress and anxiety model, that's going to be intense when it's constantly at us. So what we can do is change those things by uh, doing other things, by replacing that um, highway. It, some studies show that if you tell yourself, so for example, I... Uh, have a memory of you know being in a house on fire and as a little girl and so I used to have a lot of anxiety about that and terrified of fire if I then begin to tell myself shut up I don't I don't want that memory and I put in its place I love um, I love somebody it doesn't have to be about the fire per se I love somebody or I feel good whatever that is and then after three times the highway starts to change you're creating a new exit ramp from that highway. You still have that tool if you want it, but you're not drawing on it every time you have uh, you come upon a fire. Well, I remember when we were first together, you used to physically say it out loud. You would say, shut yeah. up, yeah. shut up. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah because, because I had a lot of trauma and I was trying to deal with it. So what we want to do is create some resiliency for ourselves and some self-care, some home care that doesn't involve drugs and actually makes us uh, healthier. So if we think about stress management techniques and meditation, these are all things that are easily found on just go to YouTube, go to Google. You, there's all kinds of free stuff out there. People want to share because they've found solutions for themselves. And, and I really think that meditation is a great, uh, a great way to help yourself. Uh, there's like support groups online now and in person. Uh, just about anything that you have an experience with that you want to deal with, there's a support group or something online that's helpful. And learning more about the specifics of what is uh, that you feel are, is your issue, and then also looking at your own family to see are there other family members that have passed this on. So you understand, is this just this one thing, or is this an organic, or is this uh, generic to me or to my DNA? Anyway, and so the first thing is take an emotional break. When you're feeling anxious or stressed, tell yourself you'll worry about it at 3 o'clock tomorrow. Now, this technique worked fantastic for me. I, I would be in a total panic, and this is back in the days when I had had this, these horrible experiences and I was trying to deal with the PTSD. And, um, and I'd say, okay, stop. And I would just make myself stop whatever I was doing. I would say, tomorrow at 3, I'm going to worry about that. And every time it would come into my head, start to, I would say, shut up. I'm going to be there tomorrow at 3. And so when 3 o'clock came, I might not ever remember it was 3 o'clock. Uh, and I needed to take care of it. And I missed the deadline. I didn't do it. But sometimes I did take 3 o'clock and I meditated or I went down to the train station 
where the boxcars were and I threw rocks and gave them the names of the things that were bothering me, things like that. Um, so throw your troubles off of a bridge, not yourself. So <laughs> create some confetti from grass or leaves or shred some uh, paper and go to the local bridge or river and scatter the confetti in, uh, into the river or over the side of the bridge as you mentally or verbally out loud say that you're letting go of whatever that is. That sounds, you know, you're kind of symbolically oh, yeah. taking control. I know you do a thing sometimes at, at gatherings where you'll have people write their problem or their worry on a stone or on something and then they can leave it at a place and they can decide do i want to leave it there or do i want to pick it up and take it with me when they go home and some people do yeah and then that's that just helps you have control over it you well, know and it's, it also brings you to that space wholly and let the worry stay where it is for the moment and i was teaching a workshop uh, back in the spring when um, uh, uh, the, the Floyd man was murdered. And, um, and the women were all on the Zoom with me and somebody's phone rang. And then they said, oh my God, there's this big riot and the cops have brought in tanks and they're going after people that we know that are there. And they were there for peaceful reasons. And, um, and then someone else said, wait, we put our worries into those discs, those stones. Let's leave them there. And then we can go to them when we're finished. And every woman stayed with me for two and a half hours after that. So I know this works, but you have to be willing to try. And it's a, it's a form of modifying your own self-talk again. Yeah. And this is all connected to our spiritual wealth and our spiritual health so when we when we throw something off the bridge it is symbolic but it's also i don't have any more words for it i don't have any way to reconcile this issue i don't have any way to make it all right so i just need to let go of it in some way and it really does work um, another thing you can do is dig a hole and have a, a little ceremony of pretending to put whatever's wrong into the hole and then cover it back up and be... Well, let's hope that's not one of your loved ones that's causing I thought about stress. that when I wrote that. I was like, okay, not a big hole, a little hole. Don't get too exaggerated. Mm -hmm. Well, something that reminded me, and, and this may be on your list or may not be, but um, I was talking to a friend of mine and, and he was having a lot of stress and anxiety but it was it was a, a lot around the fact that he was feeling bad, feeling like anxious, but he had no really good reason for this anxiety uh -huh. that he could identify. And he had been going to all of the self-help gurus and they were all like, don't sweat, don't sweat the small stuff. And it's all small, small stuff. And, and so trite. <laughs> I know. And it was really kind of condescending because it's like, okay, you have now just been told that your your worries have no rational basis. So then you get to worry about the fact that you're worrying about something. You know, I, I was like thinking, no, you know, if these are legitimate worries, you know, they, they, they exist. Well, sometimes, as I pointed out in the beginning, we have stress because something's wrong. And we may not know exactly what that is, but... When you look at the list I gave at the beginning about the pandemic, about the election, January 6th, all that stuff piling on us, and then what does that put out into the universe? You know, it puts out energy, and I don't want to sound like frou-frou-y, but it does. And I believe if we're thinking human beings, which most of us are not, 
uh, I think we pick up on that. And I think that anxiety, I know that's true for you. A, lo a lot of things that you don't even notice that are really heavy for me, but during this last quarter of 2020 and then into 21, you were feeling a lot of it without being able to say what it was. Sure. And I think this is true for lots of us. I can think, I can see that's a little more disconcerting, at least in my mind. If my house is burning down, I have an identifiable reason for concern. Yes. And that's easy to deal with. But if everything from the outside is good, but I still feel anxious, that in some ways is worse. You know, how well, do you, you need you to be able you, to identify? That's it. right. So if you can just say, look, you know, this is a spiritual issue. And so there are some things that I can do. And this is building resiliency for self-care and mental health. Mm -hmm. So um, someone in the store or on the highway cuts you off or does something that's irritated. Bless them. You know, it just changes. It makes your brain go, what the <laughs> heck? And I know I've done that because we have a neighbor, the neighbor from hell. And I'll drive by and I'll see something they're doing and I'll start to think about thing. Oh, no, bless them. Bless them. I'm going to throw kisses to them. And then my brain just lets go of it. Well, I have this, I have this invention that's yet to be invented oh, where I think every... Giving people the finger. No, every automobile <laughs> should, be, should be equipped with a little dart that you can only shoot one time per day and it sticks to the vehicle that just did something stupid. And then if you're driving down the road and you see a car that looks like a porcupine with all of these little darts <laughs> on them, you know to avoid that person, but you gotta be careful because you only get one dart each no, day. You have to be careful because somebody's <laughs> gonna pull out a gun in this culture and shoot you. I just think that's a great invention. Well, <laughs> it's funny to think about, I'll put it that right. way. Another thing you can do is take a really nice hot bath with different kinds of salts in it. It will draw out toxin from your body and make you feel better, just actually physically feel better, but also give your mind a rest. Um, you can, this is a fun thing, you could create a special spray in a, in a, squirt, a squirt bottle. A spray bottle, I should say spray bottle, because you'd get a squirt, you might squirt somebody. Um, and you could, you know, put some essential oils in there or just something that smells good to you, uh, orange peels or whatever. And then you could go around and spritz all around the house with the idea, I'm cleaning my house. No, you're not cleaning it. You are spiritually working on it and it's going to smell nice. And that smell over a few days will remind you uh, that, that you've let go. It's all cool. There's also the ability to join a support group for just about anything. Um, for example, if you've had uh, something happen that's cr created a grief in your life, there's something called griefshare.org. Uh, this naked mind, all one word, .com is an online, no cost, 30 day alcohol free challenge. A lot of people need that mm -hmm. and more. Uh, clutterfree.com, do not tease me about this, has a 12-week course that will support and connect you with others working to own less. Isn't there an old saying that says a burden shared is a burden halved? I don't know this. If there is like a Ben that's, Franklin that's, thing. It's a wise saying. And, and, and uh, what do you mean by that? It means that if oh, you share okay. your burden, it's now cut in half. Yeah, well, and also people know stuff. Yeah. So they might have a solution that worked for them, like we're talking about today, 
and they never thought of that before, or they might find somebody hold their hand while they're trying to be persistent and consistent with changes that will help them to feel better. Well, and sometimes helpful just to have somebody say, yeah, yeah, you know what, I feel the same way. Yes, and that's a lot about what happens on social media now with groups like domesticshelter.org. Uh, that that's for uh, people who've been uh, in family violence situations. And so everybody who writes on there talks a lot about that. Um, so there's lots of them, stress ball or clay to squeeze, yoga, which loosens up your body. Uh, set yourself a deadline on the calendar that um, you're going to not obsess after a certain period of time. So if I'm wearing right now, I'm going to give myself 24 hours and then I have to stop or five minutes or whatever that is. Um, make a little mailbox or designate a jar they can put small pieces of paper in that are your worries. Okay, well, you've been listening to When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine with Jay and Annie Warmke. We've been sharing our burdens with you, so mm -hmm. thank you. And we want to thank Adam Rich, our award-winning producer who does not share his awards with us. And we want to thank <laughs> everybody for spending just a little bit of time with us. And as your grandmother hopefully told you, the secret to a happy and sustainable life is... She always said, play nice with others, clean up your own mess, and eat your vegetables, Jay. All right. Till next time. You can find more information on living sustainably in our unsustainable world at blueRockStation.com. Yeah.